Okay, let's uh, dive into today's Parsha. Why would we, why on earth would we name a Parsha after a, a convert? And not a father-in-law, believe me, all relationships with father-in-laws are very fraught. I know from personal experience. And his relationship with Moshe uh, is also very fraught. Jethro's relationship with Moshe is fraught. Remember last week we said they'd spent 60 years together. So, you know, the old man taught him a trick or two. He was the priest of Midian. And, and Chazal tells us he has seven names. I mean, he's got Hovav, Reuel, Yeser, Yisro, Hever, Kaini, Putiel. I don't think anyone else has. I mean, Moshe also has names, but each name represents a different kind of identity for clear, clearly. So what are we learning? By Yishma Yisro, yeah, he heard what happened with Amalek. He heard Mitzrayim. And so now he converts. He's the biggest idolater. And the Medrash says there wasn't an idolatry in the world that he hadn't tasted. So he had gone to India, to the Babasali, the Swami. He went to the Mahayanas. He went to the Reverend Sun Young Moon. He'd been everywhere. And now he'd seen what God had done. And so now he uh, became a convert. The rabbis are a little bit suspicious. We'll come back to that. They're a little bit suspicious. I want to talk today about betrayal. A betrayal of the self, betrayal of others. Now, there's a Jewish story. It's a Jewish joke. You all know about it. It runs like this. A father's teaching his little son to be less afraid, to have more courage by having him jump down steps. So he places the little boy on the second stair and says, jump and I'll catch you. And the boy jumps. Then the father places him on the third stair saying, jump and I'll catch you. Now the boy is afraid. This is three steps up, but he trusts his father. He trusts his father and he does what he's told and jumps into his father's arms. Then he puts him on the next step and the next step, each time telling him, jump and I'll catch you. And so this goes on until he gets to the top of the staircase. And when he gets to the top of the staircase, the father steps back. The boy jumps, falls flat on his face, breaks his nose, bleeding everywhere. And as he picks himself up, bleeding and crying, the father says to him, now I have taught you the best lesson. Never trust a Jew, even if he's your own father. It's a Jewish joke. And aside from its questionable anti-Semitism, never trust a Jew, there's more to it than just a Jewish joke, as Freud taught us. Uh, it has something to say about our theme today, about betrayal. Why must a boy be taught not to trust? Why must he be taught by his father not to trust? And what does it mean to be betrayed by one's own father, by one's own father in heaven, or to be betrayed by someone else? Uh, what does it mean to be God, father, a man, to betray someone who trusts you? And to what end is betrayal in our psychological life and how close it is connected with trust? And only in those relationships of trust is there betrayal. And I think what this Jewish joke is teaching us and what I'm hoping 
to demonstrate today is that that's the deepest lesson. Now, the the story of Yisro, if I can then bring up uh, the, the Rashi on our parsha in chapter 18. So in the, in the Rashi, after Moshe has told him all that's happened to Bnei Yisrael, it said, Vayichad Yisro, in verse 9 of chapter 18, right here, verse 9. And Jethro Vayichad. Vayichad is a very strange word. It's only mentioned seven times in Tanakh, whereas it should have said Vayismach, which is mentioned 133 times in Tanakh, Vayismach. What is this Vayichad Yisro? Jethro rejoice. So the Targum says Vayismach, of course. The Targum translates it as he is happy. Now Rashi is very bothered by that. If you want to say happy, Mr. Targum, say Vayismach, don't say Vayichad. So Rashi says, Zehu Pshuto. Yeah, I understand, I get it. That's the Pshat. He's happy at what Moshe tells him after what everyone has suffered and came out triumphant from Yetzirah Mitzrayim and the, and the splitting of the sea. But then Rashi goes deep, Umidrash Agadah. And the Medrash Agadah reveals something very different. The Agadic Medrash interprets the word Vayichad as follows. Naaseh besaro chidudin chidudin. Now, what on earth is chidudin chidudin? Well, Arthur Scroll says his flesh became prickly. He developed goose flesh. So the title of today's podcast will be forever Jethro's Goosebumps. He became, developed goose flesh. Why? Meitzar al-Ibud Mitzrayim. He was aggrieved over the destruction of Egypt. He hears about all the Mitzrayim being killed. Hainu de Omre Inche, quoting a popular saying brought in the Gemara and Sanhedrin 94, be careful of a convert. Why? Giora adasara dore lo tevaze armaaba ape. That even if you're a convert, and even a Benchel convert, up to the 10th generation, do not disgrace him in his presence. Why? Because there is a certain genetic hankering that is occurring here. Let me show the Jastro. Jastro, Chidud, Chidud. The effect of a sharp edge. In fact, the Mechilta says, when he heard what had happened, he circumcised himself with a sharp edge, cutting knife. He wanted to become, he was so happy, he wanted to become part of Am Yisrael. So that goes along with Vayismach. He circumcised himself. Well, you could have said to me, uh, Julian, last week you told us the Midianites uh, were the children of Keturah, and they were commanded to, uh, by Abraham to circumcise themselves. And the Gomorrah asks that and says, well, he didn't do the circumcision part, the Mila, he did the Priya. Fine. He circumcised himself. Now go to the bottom where Jastro says, Chidudin Chidudin, multiple cuts. If there are prongs projecting from the bottom of a misshaped vessel, that's in Sanhedrin, he felt like a thousand cuts, death by a thousand cuts, 
was the Chinese method of torture and dying, a very slow death, death by a thousand cuts. He felt his cuts in his bodies, a sharpening, a wetting, a euphemism for an unnatural gratification. Interesting. What's going on over here? What is going on over here? We were told Jethro was happy. And then we're told, in fact, he felt goosebumps. Zornberg, in a very enigmatic paragraph, and she only gives this one paragraph, says, he's drawn to the Israelite faith. He responds joyfully to the history of God's love for his people. On the other hand, the weight of the past, Dor Asiri, the weight of the past still hangs heavy upon him. His involuntary nervous reaction betrays his visceral reaction. Ah, so now we have a kind of torn nature. The head became from. He became Jewish. He conformed Mila and Priya. But he couldn't control his flesh goosebumps. He could not control what Zornberg calls his visceral reaction to the death of his people. He felt, obviously, a sense of betrayal. Remember who he was. We have seven names, seven identities. One of them, along with Job and Bilam, advised Pharaoh as to what to do about the Jewish question. Bilam said, destroy them. Job was silent. And this fellow Jethro gives advice, gives advice to Pharaoh. Just take the firstborn, leave the rest, ba 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 ba. What kind of a betrayal is that of his Egyptian past? And then he's a Midianite priest. Not only that, he has tasted every Avoida Zora. He's gone round world religions. When I was at Harvard doing my master's in theology at the Divinity School, across the street was a school called the School of World Religions. So they had faculty there from every kind of religion known to mankind. And so we would go across the street to hear this one talk and this one talk. World Religions. He had tasted all of that. What kind of a person is made up of that? He finally comes to Yiddishkeit. Well, he comes to, you know, he went to the Aish seminar and he's made an intellectual decision and now he's become a fruma yid. But his body betrays him. There's a betrayal by the body, the visceral betrayal of what he is. Now, there are some who looked upon this uh, with, um, said this is a good thing. The Chsam Soifer says in his parish, He's now quoting from the Gemara Sanhedrin. He became uh, goosebumped. Now listen to the Sam Sofer. It's a very psychological insight. Through the goosebumps, through the sense of this visceral alienation between his heart and his mind, his loyalties of the flesh, his hankering for the past, his sense of betrayal, al yedezer, hirgish, he felt, ki adain lo nitaher mi yitzro hora legamre. 
That for him was a wake-up call. Now, every addict will tell you, every alcoholic will tell you, yeah, I know my liver's going bad. Yes, doctor. Yes, doctor. And then he leaves you and goes straight to the bar. His head tells you, of course, I understand that. But his body draws him to the addiction of the bar. So Yisro, in a very charitable way, the Chassam Sofer says that the visceration is a litmus test of how deep the faith goes. It is, goes just to the neck and no further. The body still controls the viscera. The heart controls the Yetzirah. Yes, I did my Theology 101. I did World Religions. I understand. From an intellectual point of view, there is monolatry. There's one God supreme over the others. So I did separate myself from the Avodah Zorah. So I'm already in step three. I've done my first three steps. I'm being a good boy. I've stepped away from bars. But I still haven't done the moral inventory of step four, five, and six. Why? Because I haven't cleaned out the viscera. That requires looking at step four, which is my resentments and my betrayals. Those betrayed me and those who I betrayed. That's the moral inventory of step four, five, and six in order to eviscerate, to clean out the viscera, Yes, he did that. But, but he is However, that wasn't sufficient. He now had to do something to the flesh to make the flesh an inscription in the flesh of this recognition. It's a new definition of circumcision. The act of circumcision then is an infliction on the body by the removing of the orla, for the Chazam Sofer, the act of circumcision then is forcing the body to submit to the intellect of the mind. Beautiful inter psychological interpretation. Now, there are others who have, who, who interpret Vayichad alike the Targum. Chizkuni says, Vayichad Yisro, we find this root in Psalm 21, to Chadahu Basimcha, you gladdened him with the joy of your presence. Okay, let's go to that Gemara. Because that Gemara really points out the depth of the conflict in Chazal's mind. Vayichad Yisro, Gemara and Sanhedrin 94. This is a machlokas between Rav and Shmuel. We're not dealing with any low weights here. These are heavy weights. Rav and Shmuel are discussing the word Vayichad. Rav Yes, it's part of the initiation. And he took a sharp knife blade to his skin. And he was Megaya through circumcision. Shmuel, now let's look at Shmuel. His flesh became prickly. He, had, he felt like cuts were made over his flesh. He had an unpleasant feeling on his flesh. 
Now, I want to bring attention to uh, the Gush, Rabbi Silverberg, who says, he looks at this in a positive way. Before we go dark, let's leave you with a positive interpretation. Both the experience of Vayichad of Rav cutting his flesh and the Chidudim Chidudim, the prickly flesh, speak of an experience of pain and discomfort. The precise opposite of the plain meaning of the word Simcha. One view understands Vayichad as a description of physical pain and the other referring to emotional pain, the physical pain of cutting your foreskin versus the emotional pain of the prickly flesh. But both explain the Torah describing Yisrael going through an uncomfortable experience during this reunion with Moshe. Now here comes the positive message. The message emerged that joy does not necessitate the absence of discomfort. Yisro rejoiced, yes, but Chazal wants us to realize that Yisro experienced immense and sincere joy even as he endured the physical pain of circumcision and the emotional pain of hearing of the Egyptian suffering. Our joy must not be dependent on the absence of pain and discomfort, very often we are forced to endure pain of one kind or another, and many times we make the mistake of thinking that we cannot experience joy until the discomfort passes. This is a very Hasidic notion of Simcha. And let me bring then us to the Chuas Chain, because the Chuas Chain opens my eyes to the possibility that joy itself, the definition of Simcha, contains within it the betrayal and the trust are intimate, requiring the healing of forgiveness. Betrayal and trust can only occur in the most intimate of relationships. The Chuas Chain says, Vayichad Yisro, Pirush Rashi, Vayismach, and then Pirush Rashi, Chidudin, Chidudin. And the Chuas Chain is going to be the first interpreter not to suggest there cannot be pain without this, not to suggest one is in the head and one is in the heart or the flesh, but to suggest that the very definition of Rashi Simcha in true Hasidic re-reading re or misreading, that the notion of joy itself must contain both. How does he say it? How could you say that one thing is, 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 is the shvach, he is happy, and on the other hand, he's hankering after the Mitzrim? That's not a shvach, that's a ganai. That's not praise, that's criticism. You can't have it both ways. He left all the goodness of the Olam Hazer to join Am Yisrael. Because it says in Rashi on Shmos Yud Ches that he was, before that he had all the goodies of the world and he left all that. So he brings a Gemara in Brachus 16. Now the Gemara is very bothered by that. When you hear bad news, and I'm dedicating this uh, podcast to the, the healing of my niece, Ruhama, Reina Basia, Bas Shifra Rus, she should be healed from this horrific virus. So a person has to bless for the evil, Boruch Daino Emes, 
Kashem Shimavarach Alatov. Like when you hear good news. Hatova Ametiv. Umasik Vigamara. And the Gemara makes a difference. Gemara says, okay, so you have to do it. So what do you need to tell me? Chayiv Odom. The Gemara says, Nafgamina, the difference is Lekabli Nehu Basimcha. It's not just about accepting it. I accept it, I accept it. Yes, you're right. Whatever you do is right. That's Baruch Daina Emes, right? It's about being Mekabalit Basimcha. Now, listen to how the Chuas Chain takes that out of context. Midrashically wrangles it and maculates it to fit our Rashi. Meyato Yafurish, now I can explain what's going on here. Tahapirish Hasheni, the second parish of Rashi, that he develops these goosebumps, he experiences this emotional or physical pain. Lahosi Vala, Mishum Tahoya Kashelo, Laezi Inyan, Hotia Kosov, Loshan Simcha, Bateva Bayichan. The fact is, we're going back. The Chuas Chain is beautiful. He says, Rashi's criticism of the Targum is correct. It should have said Vayismach. The fact that it says Vayichad means to teach us what? Remez lonu od shevach acher al Yisro. Actually, what Zornberg calls his visceral pain actually was. And according to Sam Sofer, the visceral pain is to teach him he hasn't yet got to the level of total unification of the heart and the mind. Is true. But all of this comes in praise of Jethro. Why? Despite the fact that the litmus test of his faith was I'm in pain from my hankering after the Mitzriman. I am in pain because I still have this sense of betrayal. Im despite that schizophrumkeit, despite the fact that he realizes how far he is away from the ideum, the ideal of heart and mind being together, faith and profession of faith being the same, Samach Gam Alzer Shenaseb Sorochidutin. He was happy that he had this visceral sensation. There was a simcha. What kind of a simcha? You're not yet a frumayid. What are you being so happy about? He was being makabel. The Gomorrah in Brachas, a person has to be makabel, the bad as much as the good. Guess what? I've got bad in me. And in true Hasidic style, he says, I have to be makabel that, besimcha. Even that, I have to be makabel, besimcha. That is stretching the Chassam Sofer to ends he never met. Chassam Sofer was a Musadikah thing. This is the litmus test of how far you are from the unification of head and heart. You profess makir es but it's not yet in the flesh. Now cut your flesh. But the Chuas Chain says, na, 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 na. Rashi is telling us the most profound thing by telling us vayichad and not vayismach. He's telling us that vayichad has a double connotation. The profession and simcha, but also the chidudin, the goosebumps.
And the goosebumps is a litmus test of how far I am. How far I am? That's bad news. That's dynamis. Look how far my faith is. I feel my betrayal, my betrayal of my people, Midian, and the Kahuna of Midian, and the Mitzrim, and Paro, and I'm betraying all the other religions. I've got. I'm one sack of betrayal. Where's the trust? Baruch Dayana Emes. Oh, the Gemara says you have to do that Basimcha, and I'm doing that Basimcha. It's an absolutely dazzling. The Nimsa Shehoya Boshnei Minei Simcha. So he has two types that Svei Dinin in Simcha. One, Mitzara Toiva Shenase Yisrael. And the second, Al Zeba Atzmo Shenase Besorachidudin, which is the remez of taking the Loshan of Simcha with the Tevas of Vayichad together. And then he adds Vahavain. Now you meditate on that. And that brings me back to my original story. The Jewish joke. The Jewish joke of the father who steps back. And what does it mean to betray someone who you trust? What does that mean? What is Jethro really telling Moshe Rabbeinu? Why are we naming a sedra after it? In fact, Chazal say this occurred after Matan Torah. Not before. It's not the, the, the chronological way we read it. Vayishma Yisro is after Matan Torah and he sees Moshe sitting there like a judge and he's telling him, why don't you do this, this and this? It's happening after Matan Torah. So what's the secret of what he's telling him? For me, the secret is the goosebumps. Why? What he is really telling us, because he has tasted every religion, that this sense of betrayal of the father who has awakened consciousness in the child, God has thrown Adam out of the Garden of Eden brutally with pain. He has initiated his son. The initiation into new consciousness of reality can only come through betrayal, through the father's failure and broken promises. But it's a Jewish joke, so it's a betrayal with a moral. Our story is a moral tale, just like all good Jewish jokes. It is not an existential fable, an act of gratuity, not a Zen legend or a Japanese koan leading to liberating enlightenment. It is a homily. It's a drush. It's a lesson. It's a piece of Musa. What is happening? The father demonstrates in his own person the possibility of betrayal of the closest trust, Step by step up the ladder, jump, jump, jump. And when he gets to the top, he falls on his face. He reveals his own treacherousness, stands before his son in naked humanity, presenting a truth about fatherhood, manhood, and God. I, a father, a man cannot be trusted. Man is treacherous. The word is not stronger than life. And so, from a Jungian perspective, you might say that the Torah is a litany of betrayals, starting in the Garden of Eden, all the way down to the absence of the Geula by Isaiah, and to the silence of God in Mika. It is the silent God. And the, the statement, never trust a Jew, far from being an anti-Semitic statement, 
is a lesson that goes one step further. It implies that his fatherhood is dependent on God's fatherhood. That a Jewish initiation through Mila, through cutting, through the betrayal of the skin of a child at eight days, is an initiation into the awareness of God's nature. That most untrustworthy Lord, who must be continually praised by psalm and prayer as patient, reliable, just, propitiated with epithets of stability, carbonos, psochim, because he's so arbitrary, emotional, and unpredictable. Anyone read the book of J? You see the, the history of the personality of the divine as a literary character looking at the Bible as if it's a Shakespearean novel. The father says, in short, I have betrayed you as all are betrayed in the treachery of life. And if we take that and project that onto the divine, then the paternal image of a wise and merciful figure refusing to intervene in any way to ameliorate the suffering which he himself has brought about and refusing to give an account of himself that teaches us about betrayal and trust and, of course, the most important mixture that comes out of that is forgiveness. Forgiveness can only occur after one has betrayed after one feels the resentment, and then one has to find the narrative, step four, five, six, in recovery, right? This, this new narrative came to believe that a power greater could restore me to sanity, to get rid of the resentments of my heart. How to forgive? How to forgive? And that's our story of Yisro. It's a lesson that the act of chidudin and chidudin, those goosebumps, is educating Moshe Rabbeinu after the Torah, after all the black letters and all the rules and all the books of rules, that there is a deeper significance to Mamad Har Sinai. It's an initiation like the bris. Whereas in the archetypal tales and daily life, betrayal is not explained by the betrayer to the betrayer. It happens through the dark side of ours. We betray because we are human. The conscious use would seem to mark the paternal figures. And, and I, I think that for me, that betrayal is important because of the theology that I am looking to. That is, there, the father's story is a Jewish story in which we now have to look in terms of never trust a Jew, never trust the father in terms of a new paradigm. We have to develop a new narrative of betrayal, the sense of betrayal that we have felt, the sense of the broken trust that's the history of Jewish exile. And we have to develop this new Midrash. We are guilty because we are an archetypal paradigm of Adam, and we have betrayed, and we have to understand what that sense of betrayal is and what forgiveness means. And so I think that the deepest, the deepest lesson that Yisro, with his multiple personalities and his multiple betrayals, shows Moshe Rabbeinu 
is that secret of Torah, that forgiveness uh, by one requires atonement by the other, that we, we in relationship with the divine is in this constant back and forth between uh, trust, betrayal, forgiveness, and atonement. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Stay warm.